The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. We're starting a new podcast series here on Thin Places. For the next few weeks, we'll be revisiting a study from a few years ago in which we discuss the St. Aidan's Charter. At St. Aidan's Church, all baptized adults in tithing households are considered members of the parish. But what sets St. Aidan's apart from other communities is that we invite our members to commit to our parish charter. A charter is different from a contract because it describes a commitment each member makes to each other member. Our charter is an intentional commitment we make to each other and to our larger community to follow Christ side by side, as he is building his kingdom in our midst. I hope that this series of discussions will be fruitful and edifying for you. I'll be uploading new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. You can find a link to the lesson notes from each episode in the description, along with a link in case you would like to read a copy of our parish charter. And now, on to the discussion. (laughs) So for the next several weeks, we are going to be talking about our charter, what it is about our charter that defines what it is that we do as a parish, so that when we get to August 31st, which is of course the Feast of St. Aidan, we will all be ready to sign the charter again uh, this year, okay? So we're talking about the charter. So we talked about, like, just generally, right? We talked about what a charter is and, and, and what it does, and then we read it together last week. So this week we're going to start by talking about the first principle of our charter. What is the first principle? Who remembers what it is? It's, it's big on the board behind me. Availability. Availability. Right, right. It's big on the board behind me. It's kind of the same size as it. Oh, yeah, there it is. It's up at the top. <laughs> and there it's it is. Tip, 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 Up there. Okay. So let me tell you guys, explain uh, explain this word. There's these two words. We call them our, we call them our principles, the availability and vulnerability. Now, I didn't come up with those words. The vestry didn't come up with those words. We stole them, like all good church planters do, from another church plant. Okay? <clears throat> so... These, these come to us from, uh, from a, uh, a new monastic community in Northumbria. What's in Northumbria? Mama. <laughs> Could be that. <laughs> What's in Northumbria? Lindisfarne. Lindisfarne. Lindisfarne is in Northumbria. So it's called the, the Northumbria. Northumbria is, is the region in England that is, that is south and east of York. So, so it's the, the northern part of, of England on the, on the east coast. Um, so there's an island there called Lindisfarne, which is, which is, it functions sort of like the spiritual heart of England. 
um, at least during the formative years of Christianity in England. So from, from 600 until it was abandoned in right around the year 1000. Shortly, shortly before the French arrived, it was abandoned because of uh, Viking incursions. Um, so for, for 400 years, this was the center of Christianity. Everything that makes Christianity British begins there. Okay, everything that happens in England and in Scotland and in Ireland, all of that is centered at this one place. Okay, so the community that's there now is called the, the Northumbria community. Uh, and when we started St. Aidan's, we actually started as a, a small group at, as part of another church. And, and the, the small groups there were different because we had to agree to a rule of life together. Who knows what a rule of life is? <laughs> yeah, everybody's looking at the monk. Yeah, the monks have to answer. Make the monk answer. It's, what, do you, what do you mean? What is the rule? Like what, what is a rule of life? It's a rule that you live your life by. <laughs> you can't find it by using the same words. It's, it's a set of beliefs and practices that you hold yourself to. Mm -hmm. It's a Yeah, it's, it's a set of practices that, that define uh, what people who are members of a community, something that they agree to. So in the we, we called the small groups priories, and each of these priories had a rule of life. And so as we talked together, as we were putting the priory together, we decided that we wanted to be the priory of St. Aidan, because Aidan is the awesomest of the awesome saints. Um, and, and we decided that, that we wanted our, our rule of life to, have, uh, to, to be based on Celtic monasticism. We wanted that to be the shape. And so, and so after reading and research, what, what we found are, are these two principles that the Northumbrian community sort of distilled from all of the, the, the monastic rules that they could find. And, and they said you, can, you, you could obviously make these more and more complex because the, the rules for these monastic communities are are fairly long and very involved, especially the stuff about fasting. Let me tell you, you like, the Celts knew how to Dully. fast. Dully, no balls in here. Go put the ball back in the nursery. It doesn't come back out again. So the, so, so the, the, the Celtic rule of life could be really complex, but what the Northumbrian community distilled it all down to is two core values. And the first of those is availability, and the second is vulnerability. So next week, we're going to talk about vulnerability. This week, we're going to talk about availability. So, so when St. Aidan's Priory became St. Aidan's Church, we carried those values over with us. And so for us as a community, as a parish, availability and vulnerability have sort of been at the, at the heart of, of what we do and why we do what we do, okay? And we, we, we're beginning to see new ways of applying availability and vulnerability to all of the different facets of the way that we live the, 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 the Anglican way together, okay? So tonight we're going to talk about availability. What is availability? And when I, when I talk about that, I want us to think about these two axes that I've, that, that I've put up on the board, all right? There's the, there's the up, down, and the in, out, okay? And so what availability does is that it puts us in the, in the up and the out category. Availability is, is an outward movement, and it's an upward movement. When I say that it's an upward movement, what am I probably talking about? Yeah. Right. So, so when we make the vow of availability, we're saying we're going to make ourselves available to God. And when I say that we're doing this outward, I mean what? Others. Right. Others. Others. Community. So, so we're making ourselves available to God and we're making ourselves available to each other. Now, 
This is the important question for us. What in the world is availability? Where's like, I don't want to make Jesse answer. <laughs> Ask the monk. I think, to, I mean, in a literal sense, to be present. Mm -hmm. it, so in the community and with each other, mm -hmm. but also in in our church practices. So like, you know, Sunday mm -hmm. morning and Wednesday Bible study and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Availability empties us of selfish striving in order that we might free, be free to respond to the Spirit's promptings. Says yep. the guy who read the charter. Well, that's what it does, but what <laughs> is it? Like, I'm just asking, like, what is that word, availability? What does that mean? I mean, I think you said last week <laughs> to that, avail oneself that it, it also mm -hmm. means, like, we don't get to say no to mm -hmm. each other. If somebody needs something and we're going to be truly available, you know, then we don't say no. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if there's a need in the community, we don't say no. If there's, you know, unless we have a very good reason, if there's a <coughs> service or something that's going on, we're here because we're available for the worship of the church and we're mm -hmm. available for the life of the community. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of Samuel's response when God was trying to get a commandment saying, I speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Your servant's listening. God wants Mm -hmm. That's good. So, what does it look like then? Just we're there, there's there's not a hard and fast right wrong answer here. What does it look like for us to be available to God? To have a regular what's it? A regular prayer time. But I'm trying to think of consistent consistent prayer versus crisis prayer. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's a way that we do that? The little bring books that you guys didn't bring with you tonight. Right. It's real good for morning prayer and stuff. That's what mine is, Link. You can come look. You can come look. It's sitting right there. Yeah, this is this is one of the reasons that we did that because because it's really hard to do prayer regularly and to do prayer well. Right? Because as soon as we're up in the morning, we're out the door. And as soon as we get home, we are spent. And it's really hard in the midst of all of that to, to find time to sit down and, and to simply say prayers that aren't, oh God, 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 oh God. right? Like, you know, as you're, you know, trying to turn from, you know, around so that the cop doesn't get there. What do you need? Thank you. Awesome. Let's put it up here. You can have it back later. So like, what is, but what does it mean for us to pray consistently? Well, this is one of those ways the the, the little green book distills the, you know, the giant prayer books that, that we have down to very simple, easy, accessible ways of doing daily prayer, right? Evening prayer, morning prayer, the litany, prayers before communion, prayers for, prayers for normal things. Like this is one of the ways that we do that. How else do we make ourselves available to God? Something I read the other day when I was looking up stuff was um, welcoming um, interruption because mm -hmm. those are like moments where God is trying to like mm -hmm. maybe show you something or whatever. So not being so rigid that you can't allow time for God to show up. Mm -hmm. Was it, is it Dallas Willard that calls that a divine appointments? 
That or Foster. So. Maybe it was Foster. I'm sure it wasn't Willard Scott. <laughs> Willard, <laughs> Willard Scott. I think it, I think it might have been Foster. <laughs> Referred to that, but he was talking about that. He called them divine appointments. It was it, the, the, the interruptions that we, you know, just get so annoyed by during the day are actually, this is a time for, for you to encounter God at work right here and right now. And we just don't think about it that way. Yeah. Good. What does it look like for us to be available to others? Outward. Hospitality. Mm-hmm. It's good. You can be available to others by going there, go from door to door and ask them to church, invite them to church. That's good. What else? Be available through intercessory prayer. Mm-hmm. Yep, lifting up the others up in an intentional way. So rather than praying, you know, the way that we do in our daily office, being available so that when needs come up, you're, you, you know, not just posting something on Facebook and saying I'm praying for you, but actually to just sit down and actually do the praying. Rather than sharing like, oh, by the way, I'm praying. Like, well, you know, that's nice and I feel encouraged to know that. But, you know, I also want to, to know that it's actually happening. Other ways? Like Sharon said, Saying yes when you're able to say yes to one another. Saying yes when you're able to say yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, we talked about that on Sunday, the, you know, the difference between loving kindness and, and hospitality, right? That, that hospitality isn't, is something that we as a community owe each other. Um, so I want us to look at that quote that, that Jesse read for us a, a minute ago. It's on the, it's on the board behind me. Um, this is in the, in the second paragraph of your chart. It says, availability empties us of selfish striving in order that we might be free to respond to the Spirit's promptings. Okay? Availability empties us of selfish striving in order that we might be free to respond to the Spirit's promptings. So what we're admitting here is that we live in in the midst of tension, right? Because there's part of me that just wants to be left alone, right? And that's what availability struggles with because, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of us are, are introverted. That's just sort of, that's just sort of, you know, part of our group identity. You know, we have a lot of introverts and those kinds of people definitely, you know, want to be left alone. Um, but that's not specifically the kind of being left alone that we're talking about here, right? Like there's, there is absolutely a way that introverts selfishly, and so I mean sinfully, push people away from them, okay? Like there's a way that introverts do that, and introverts know when they're doing it. Um, but that's not specifically what we're talking about here. What do you think that this means when I say selfish strivings, right? We're all tempted towards selfish strivings. What are we referring to? Focusing on ourselves? I think it's kind of focusing on ourselves over and against the needs of other people. Stepping on yeah. people's necks to get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get ahead. Mm-hmm. Setting goals that are Because it's, it's not necessarily ignoring self-care and knowing mm-hmm. when, you know, as a group of introverts, you know, there may be times that we need... Mm-hmm to recharge and need to, you know, to say no to something because we're not going to be able to be fully present because of whatever's going, mm-hmm. going around. So it, it's not that, but it's, you know, saying no to things when we could be there and when we could be available and when we should be there and should be available. But we say no anyway because right. we just don't want to or it's uncomfortable or, you know, 
Oh, well, it's going to be inconvenient or whatever. All right. What about the Spirit's promptings, right? The, the reason that we're setting aside selfish striving is so that we can respond to the Spirit's promptings. I feel like so many people keep themselves busy mm -hmm. so they don't have to focus on what actually they're being called to or what's asking them to do or what's happening around them. So they just find that tedious, boring, selfish thing to keep themselves busy so they don't have to mm -hmm. listen to what the Lord might be calling them to do or even what their community is needing from them. Mm -hmm. What is that saying? It's like the, awareness um, and listening. You know? Idle hands of the devil's playground or whatever. <laughs> but I feel like so many people take that so seriously that they just consume themselves with trivial nonsense. Mm -hmm. And don't just sit <laughs> and wait on the spirit. <clears throat> Well, here's here, here's the you know what we said here the the, the central question. the central question is what does it look like for us to choose the spirit's promptings over our selfish strivings? So I want five. I need five people to look up the passages that are on the board. Each one takes a different one, obviously. We're not going to read all five of them five times. All right. There's Matthew 10. I got John 13. You got John 13. You've got Mark 10. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. So he's with Mark 1. Who wants Mark 1? All right. Mark 1. Mark 1. All right, so Matthew 10. Read Matthew 10 for us. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. <clears throat> and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves his loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. So one of those, one of those verses ends up on t-shirts and billboards lots of times. <laughs> the other ones we skip over as quickly as we possibly can. What in the world is Jesus talking about? I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword and to set members of family against each other. What's going on? Jesus also sounds very egotistical. <laughs> mm -hmm. In a way, he's redefining family and community, right? So he's saying... You know, I think back to who is my father, who is my brother, you know, like some mm -hmm. of the things he, he's a, the person who does the will of God. So I think an idea that the kingdom can cause divisions within, a, within maybe those relationships as they stood. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you start taking the message of Jesus seriously, there might be some people who are pretty unhappy with you and the things you are doing and saying, mm -hmm. even your family. Mm -hmm. Family systems don't like to change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm a therapist key in. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, family system. <laughs> no work. What else? Probably poor human dick. Human dick. We do great and feel touchy feel good stuff. <laughs> what else? Remember what we mentioned just a minute ago. What what are the, the, the two ways of receiving aid in Mark or in Matthew's world, right? Remember, listen, listen to the passage the way the first hearers did. Remember what we talked about on Sunday about hospitality and loving kindness. What's he saying to, to the people who are following him? He's like, I mean, he's saying to put him first that mm-hmm. he is more important than your father or your mother or your loved one. Mm-hmm. He needs to be at the top, and, and that's because in order for you to fully love that person, you need to love him. Mm-hmm. He is the ultimate source of love. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know about other people's family, but my family, it's a whole bunch of you know what I mean? It's a whole bunch of the... It's so easy <coughs> with your family to think that things are all right and you can just do whatever you want to. Right. But there's still that stigma of, it's my family. Like, other people can't make fun of them, but I can make fun of them. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like breaking down all that BS. Right. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did we say is the difference between hospitality and loving kindness? You do hospitality because it's the right thing to do. And love and kindness, you do something because you love like God loves. Mm-hmm. I don't know what y'all said about it. <laughs> I was kind of thinking, you, you said something on Sunday that... Maybe I missed the point, but... <laughs> I'll go ahead and say that. But it was like, you know, hospitality was outward, which you are you owe to the, the stranger, and, and loving kindness was like this, this fatherly act. You, this is owed. This is, this is like given. These are people that... They sit at the table because they... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the hospitality is not something that you and I, as members of, of the church, can give to each other. We can't be hospitable to each other in the way that the New Testament talks about hospitality, um, because that doesn't exist. That's not, you and I, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. In, in my household, I can't be hospitable to Joe and Patty, right? I, I can't offer hospitality to them. What I can do is is offer kindness in a loving way. Call, the scripture calls it loving kindness because I owe it to them, right? I'm not allowed to say, no, you guys can't come over and have dinner tonight, right? I don't get that option in the New Testament world. Now, obviously, we live in a culture that's different from that. So it's, that's why it's important for us to hear this the way that they heard it. Right, but that's what it's saying. Hospitality is complete and utter gift because it's something that I give to a stranger. So it's a way that I publicly demonstrate that all of the care and provision that I've received from God is given to the stranger. Loving kindness is not that. Loving kind- kindness is something entirely different. It's, it, it's something that's owed to members of my household. So think about this passage again. Jesus is saying to, to, his, to his followers, if you want to follow me, you have to reject the loving kindness that, you, that, that protects you and keeps you safe right now. 
You have to leave that behind and rely on my protection and my provision for you. And the, and the protection and provision that your new brothers and new sisters are going to offer. Right? What he's saying is, you're going to have to set aside all of the things in your life that make you comfortable and all of the things in your life that make you safe. That's what it looks like to follow me. Mm-hmm. Right? But obviously that one doesn't go on, on, on bumper stickers. That's not, one of those, that's not one of those bumper sticker quotations. I didn't come to bring peace. I didn't come to make you feel safe. I came to mess everything up. It's pro- that's, that's probably the way that... Take names. Literally. It's probably the way it shows up in the message. I, I came to mix it up. Sorry. All right. Who's got Matthew 16? That'd be me. Go for it. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? There you go. This one is slightly more straightforward. There's less cultural stuff that we have to unpack here. <clears throat> what is this teaching us about being available to each other? In the first one, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, you have to reject, you have to leave behind all of the things that make you safe and comfortable and follow me. Now, what does he say? Just do it. Right. He says, not only are you going to have to leave behind the things that make you safe and comfortable, you're going to have to leave behind the things that make you safe and comfortable. The things that make you right. It's, it's almost as though he's repeating himself over and over again because they and we still don't get it. They still just are the, standing there. The following Christ means <laughs> leaving behind all of the things that make us safe and make us comfortable. It's like when you get to a four-way stop. Why? Why is it that Jesus is calling us, his disciples, to leave behind the things that make us safe and comfortable? Because Christianity is not safe and comfortable. Mm-hmm. It weighs us down. Mm-hmm. They us from God. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for them to become idols. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is, of course, what we're talking about, right? Safety and comfort are part of those selfish strivings, right? Because it's this trap. We, we feel safe and we feel comfortable. And then anytime something comes up, we need to try to make ourselves feel safe and comfortable over and over and over again. Those two words are like the antithesis of availability and vulnerability. Right? Safe and Safety com- is, uh-huh. not, is not vulnerable. Right. Safe, yeah, <laughs> safety, is, vulnerable. safety is the opposite of vulnerable. And, and availability, most often, is, is almost always <laughs> the opposite of, of being comfortable. Yeah. So the call for us here is that availability makes us as a community see ourselves as a household. So that we don't call up, you know. They might not be. <laughs> so that we don't call up family and say, listen, I need X, Y, or Z, right? We call each other up. Because we need to learn to rely on each other. That's what we're saying. 
And that's really uncomfortable, right? Because you know what I don't want to do? Call up one of you guys and like, guys, I'm behind on my electric bill this month. Can you help me out? Right? I definitely don't want to have that conversation with you guys. Like, I really need some help because you know what? I don't like talking about money. Just don't. Like, that's 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 one of my family systems. Right? Like we don't we don't talk about those things. Right? So the last thing that I want to do ever anytime is call somebody up and say, Listen, I need help with money for for this or for that or for, for what have you. And yet, this is what Jesus is calling us to do to stop relying on the things that keep us safe and comfortable and to start relying on each other. To to say that God has promised to provide for us out of his abundance and his abundance is made manifest in his kingdom and his kingdom is made manifest in the local congregation. Well, and if everyone is doing that, like we are supposed to be aiming to do, then it's almost to an extent that people around you would notice that something had happened and that you needed extra help and you might not even have to ask Mm -hmm. because when jeremiah was laid off from true green that one time we didn't even ask and the church offered to help us pay for our rent that month because we couldn't pay it Mm -hmm. and we didn't know what we were going to do right and they just came to us without us even asking so i think that when everyone's in that state of vulnerability and availability mm-hmm. that we see that stuff in each other we see when someone's hurting we see when right. someone is having issues mm-hmm. and we're going to spend a lot of more time talking about that next week because obviously the the two availability and vulnerability are are, are completely tied together you can't separate the two of them out because part of us being available to help is is that we are we are each in a reciprocal right in a back and forth way being vulnerable together and so we know each other's needs and we care for each other's needs rather than farming each other's needs off to you know to to this social service or or farming them out to so-and-so's family or or whatever that ends up looking like whatever that safety net that that we all sort of carry around with us looks like this is a call that our charter is a call to leave that behind and to honestly and brazenly and and courageously commit to being each other's safety net okay so i want us to read from mark chapter one i got it all right this is when jesus chooses the four fishermen and jesus was walking along the shore of lake galilee he saw simon and his brother andrew they were fishermen and were casting their nets into the lake Jesus said to them, Come with me, and I will teach you to bring people in instead of fish. Right then the two brothers dropped their nets and went with him. Jesus walked on and soon saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were in a boat, mending their nets. At once Jesus asked them to come with him. And they left their father in the boat with the hired workers and went with him. All right. What are we hearing here? Where do you find availability in that passage? They were stepping into the unknown. Mm-hmm. They left the safety and comfort of right. not what was not just their business, but likely the family business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they left behind the family business and possibly let down the entire family yeah. who's depending upon yeah. them to bring in 
this money and to carry on this business, mm-hmm. and they left that. Yeah, their elderly father, father in the boat, going yeah. And the and the mothers and the sisters at home who are relying on yeah. brothers it wasn't and husbands. Just, he wasn't just risking himself. Yeah. Right. It wasn't just their boat and their livelihood. It was the family. It was all of the people that were relying on them. Mm-hmm. What's interesting there, though, is that in the in the verses that we read before, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must. And then he fills in the blank, right? What's different about what we just read? Hmm? <laughs> they do? But the key word there is they. They had someone with them. Makes it easier. Mm-hmm. They're walking side by side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we're not being called to sort of go off wandering by ourselves in the desert. I mean, maybe you are. But we should we should sit down and have a talk because God calls people to go wander alone in the desert. Like that totally happens in Scripture and in the history of the church. So there's room for that. But but generally speaking, the way the way that He has revealed Himself to His people generally, right, is that He calls groups of people. He doesn't call one person. Sometimes he sets aside one person as the caller, right? But he he call he he gives them the job of calling others, calling the group together, calling God's people together. Right? So let's read from uh John 13. washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Mm-hmm. So in in the kingdom, how do we learn to do what we're supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. By looking at Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read, read the instruction book. Uh-huh. By looking at Jesus. What is it that we see Jesus doing? And then we do those things. Right, which you know sounds a lot simpler than it is most days, at least for me. I don't know. Maybe you've got it figured out. I don't. That's how. That's how it is for me. What does it look like? What's What's the simplest, most practical way that we can do what we see Jesus doing? Probably sounds the simplest, but it's one of the hardest to do is love others. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for us to do that, like in a practical way? Listening, mm-hmm. talking to each other, mm-hmm. washing feet is a yeah. humble act of service. Mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. Inviting them to be a part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, inviting them into the. Yeah, into the community. 
Here's what I want to suggest to us. <clears throat> Availability for us begins Okay. It begins with common worship. What do I mean by common? Communal. Communal. Yeah, all of us together worshiping. That the place the, the way that we learn to see Jesus doing what it is that Jesus does is by reading scripture together and by praying. Like those are the things that Jesus teaches his disciples to do over and over and over again. That's that's the example that he lives for them is somebody who is constantly immersed in in this in, in the, the the narrative of scripture and somebody who's constantly immersed in conversation with his father right that's the very first thing that we see uh in in jesus's life uh and and in jesus's ministry and what do i what, what when when we say common worship what we're talking about is what you see in the third paragraph right that the way that we enact our practices of availability and vulnerability is committing to a life of common prayer and worship. So when the church gathers to worship, we gather. When the church prays, we pray. When the church fasts, we fast. When the church feasts, we feast. Why? Why is that central to the way that we live out availability and vulnerability? Puts us all on the same page. Same focus. Like our hearts are in the same place. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of it, like fasting, is intended to kind of place us into a practice of <coughs> way. So mm-hmm. if we're doing it together collectively, it's a communal way of practicing vulnerability. Absolutely. Well, I think the last phrase of that last sentence kind of said. God illustrates through us what the kingdom looks like. Mm-hmm. That's what he wanted the Israelites to do, and they failed. Mm-hmm. They showed the people to do what God was like, and they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. God wants us as Christians to show when we gather together. What if we don't gather? I'm, I'm a member of that church. You go, and I never go up there. You know, what does that say to people that are not believing? Mm-hmm. And also, like the language that we use here is intentional. Why, why is it that in our charter we talk about our feasting and our fasting? Why is that language there, do you think? Because we do both of those, both of those things, but why do we do them? Why do we feast and fast? Because there's fullness in the kingdom and there's emptiness in the kingdom. Right. Oh. Mm-hmm. Fullness and emptiness. <laughs> and the church narrates fullness and emptiness. How? Jesus inspired me never to volunteer a comment. <laughs> <laughs> See, fullness and emptiness. <laughs> Uh, Right. The hint is in the question. The church. What is it that the church is narrating when it when it engages in 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 a story about fullness and emptiness? Narrating the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's narrating the whole of Scripture. It's narrating the whole of Scripture, right? What what it does is that it 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 turns our worship into a giant storytelling experience. We storytell by our life together, but we as a community can't tell the story of Scripture 
unless we're all here telling the story of scripture. Right. Ta-da! There you go. <laughs> Fixed it. All right, everyone go home. You're done. I've downloaded my info for you, right? Like it, 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 it makes sense, but we have to wrap our heads around that, right? That what what the church is trying to teach us is that in the kingdom is fullness and in the kingdom is emptiness. And we live in between those two polarities. But to live those things out, the church has to be telling that story. And rather than the church standing on a street corner with a microphone, the way that the church tells that story is by living that story. And so year after year after year, we gather together and we retell that story because we believe that the stories we tell matter, right? Ultimately, that's what we're saying, that the way that we tell these stories matters and that this is, this is the story. This is the one story that matters. So let's read, let, let's read the last passage, right? This is, the, this is the, the big one, okay? Mark 10. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He replied and said to him, Teacher, all of these I have observed from my youth. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, You are lacking in one thing. Go and sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At that statement he fell on his face, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. So Jesus again said, or, so Jesus again said to them in reply, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were exceedingly astonished and said among themselves, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For human beings it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, We have given up everything and followed you. Jesus said, Amen. I say to you, there is no one who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now in this present age. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many that are first will be last and the last will be first. Oh, prosperity. T-shirt saying. <laughs> Refrigerator magnet. Yeah. Obviously, this is about your best life now. Right? <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it's better refrigerator. <laughs> so what are we talking about here? Right? It's one of those over overused, rarely understood passages of scripture. Well, I can tell you about the first part. <laughs> the first part, if you know Old Testament history, you know that like that if you got stuff, if you got good things, you were blessed by God. It was uh -huh. a sign of right. God's presence in your life. Yep. So if, if he's saying, you know, rich men can't enter the kingdom of God, the mark of God's blessing was on these people. That's why they're like, well, who can be saved then? Mm -hmm. You know, God being... With these people, God was with these people if they had lots of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he kind of turns that on its ear. And he's like, nope, that's mm -hmm. not how it works. Mm -hmm. And instead he says that the, the mark of God's children is what? Being the last, being the least. 
service. The exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In in fact, what 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 is the first thing that the, that the man says that he does? He says, you know, what what is what what does he say first? What's the very first thing the young man says? Right. He says, "How can I be saved?" And Jesus says, but before that, honor your mother and father. Keep the commandments. Mm -hmm. Right. Keep the commandments. Right. Be good at 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 working in the church. Right. Be be good at being a Christian, or in this case, being a Jew. Be really good at 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 Judaism. Says, okay, I'm real good at it. Right. Because there's there's there is in a sense an art form to Christianity. Right. We can we can be really good at being Christians without ever bothering to actually be Christians. And so he says, good. Be very good at being a follower of God. And then what? Mm -hmm. Give everything away and follow me. What if he's not exaggerating? Mm -hmm. yeah, what if he's not? <laughs> well, I love that he says, Oh, I've been doing that since a young age. Jeremiah over here went, Liar. <laughs> <laughs> right? I kind of wish that he would have been a little sassy. Snotty like, little punk. <laughs> Yeah, in the in the Benedictine tradition, they they have a term "ora et labora," right? Which means what? Work and pray. 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 Right? And their entire life is centered around that that cycle, that rhythm. It's it's we pray and then we work and then we pray and then we work, we pray and then we work and then eventually for like four and a half hours you get to sleep and then we pray. And then we work, and then we pray, and then we right, and it's just this cycle over and over and over again. That, that the entire, and for them, the entire expression of the Christian life is work and prayer, over and over and over again. Like uh huh. <laughs> That's what they're talking about, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, yes, you should be honoring your father and your mother and upholding all of the commandments. You should be really good at being a Christian, but you also need to be really good at service. Right. And so that's the call here is not just to be people who, you know, who are really good at, at, you know, getting things from from others in the community and not to be good people who are really good at, at that, you know, at, at, at worshiping together, but also to be people whose lives are marked by service. That's what availability is. Right. When when we understand ourselves to be. A community of people who rely on each other to meet to, to, for, for our needs to be met. When we see ourselves as a community of people who tell God's story in our life together. When we are a community of people whose, whose first thought is, how can I serve? That's when we begin to understand what availability is all about. It's about providing for each other. It's about serving the people on our doorstep. And it's about worshiping together every time that the doors are open. So any questions? Any questions about availability? Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, 
and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.